Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters podcast. Tegan, how are you doing today? I do it pretty well. I finally got caught up on the Book of Boba. I love the latest episode. I got to see an old character come, and it was fun. Yeah, it's uh, been going pretty good there. Lots of good uh, new content for the for the universe and things like that. So definitely good to just continue to see that. So uh, welcome everyone to season three, episode number two of our podcast. Uh, this is also the hundredth uh, podcast episode that we've put out, uh, including all of our podcast content. But that's pretty damn awesome that we've hit a hundred uh, pieces of content out there. And uh, also, next Friday, the eleventh, will be the two-year anniversary of our very first podcast. A uh, long time ago, when we did that, what's new and different? in Star Wars 5e, uh, you know, maybe that could use a refresh, Tegan, at this point, because a lot is is even new and different from back then. Yeah, it's so much has changed, all for the better. Uh, yeah, it, it could probably use a little bit of a refresh or a little bit of shine to it now. So a uh, few things on our end. Uh, today, we have our first of uh, what we're going to kind of do this year, series of uh, fellow DJM interviews, uh, just to bring people in from the community, talk about their experience in tabletops and Star Wars 5e. Uh, so we have uh, John, a uh, fellow that we've met uh, through the community and have a good conversation with him. But first, uh, announcements and whatnot on our end. Uh, Patreon, we're just going to get that out right away, uh, is blowing up. Thank you so very much to everyone out there. We are super close to hitting that 100 Patreon goal, which means we are going to put in a lot of effort to get a DM screen completed and also work towards uh, collecting all of our content um, together in in a single collection. It's kind of a goal that I want to do as well. So that will really help us uh, get towards that. But uh, with that, we have a long list of new patrons here, and uh, we want to give them all a shout out. Uh, Starting with tier one, we have uh, Mitchell and Joseph, who took advantage of the annual discounts. Uh, Tegan, tell us about the tier twos. Yeah, tier two is blowing up. Uh, We've got Daniel, uh, Devilish Plague, Scott, Ryan, Zoe, Michael, Scott, another Scott, Scott Hauser and Scott Henson, uh, and then uh, Amy too. So thank you guys there. And uh, we also have a lot of new Patreon uh, tier threes as well. Uh, so Adam, Steve, uh, Jay Roberts, Brandon, Pierce, Mitch, who took advantage of an annual uh, discount there on tier three. And also a couple upgrades, uh, Aaron and uh, Francoto uh, upgraded from tier two to tier three. Uh, and so all of those in tier three, they gain access to uh, content a little bit earlier than everyone else. Uh, they also get access to play by post games if you wanna partake in that. Uh, so we have that as well. So thank you to all of you there. I mean, that's awesome. Such a huge burst in support. Uh, so good to see those numbers uh, rising and and just growing our community and, and seeing you people come in to just take part in this wonderful system. Uh, speaking of Patreon as well, along with uh, today's episode is the release of our first adventure for uh, Patreons. Tegan, tell us about that. Definitely. So we released this for the Jedi Master tier a week earlier, but this is going to be for the Knight tier now too, but it's Invasion Session 1. Uh, so this is uh, the annual campaign for Dungeon Jedi Masters. It's going to be Invasion, where the, the Yuzon Vong are pushing into the galaxy and your players are going to have to find a way to unite a fractured galaxy and hopefully help them fight fight their way back and stop this threat. So this is the first step on that adventure so check it out. Uh, I had some fun making this one too and made a little bit of design changes from the way we read, uh, ran the last adventures to give you guys a few more, a little bit more backstory, a few more cues on how to, to run different NPCs. So it should be a blast. Let us know how it plays for your table in the Discord, but uh, I, I think this will be a fun one. Yeah, you know, reading through that uh, is, is you being the, the main author on that, Tegan, it looked great. Um, and also, there's a little bit of a tie in to your current uh, actual play. We all got to see the session zero uh, last week. But uh, tell us about that. That is actually going to be 
you know, later in the evening for uh, when this episode, this podcast episode comes out as well. Definitely. So yeah, session one of Invasion is airing today at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, We did back-to-back weeks for uh, session zero and session one, uh, but after that, it's going to be every other two or every other week for the campaign. But we're going to finally see the group brought together, learn a little bit more about the threat, and it should be, uh, we just got to get into vibe with uh, the new crew. Uh, I think it's going to be entertaining and a bit of hilarious at the same time, even with some of the dire content. So check us out uh, at uh, my stream, uh, which was uh, Tegan DJM at Twitch. Uh, you'll see the, the group get together and see a little bit more of the story, but we'll also be putting them on YouTube too. Uh, I'm hoping to put them out every other Tuesday. So the Tuesday we don't have a game is will be the Tuesday that it throws up on YouTube too, in case you can't catch us live. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that one. Uh, I, on my end, have a new actual play as well. This will be a three-session mini-arc. I'm going to do a few of these throughout the year, uh, all set in Hut Space. So I'm calling it Hut Space Adventures. And uh, we'll have a new group for each of those story arcs. So this will be a quick three-week sessions starting February 9th, so Wednesday, and then uh, the following two Wednesdays after that. Uh, And I have uh, four characters for that who are uh, still figuring out some of the details on what that specific adventure will be, but they're going to dive in and and see what trouble they can get into in that, uh, you know, wonderful part of the galaxy. So that'll be on uh, my channel on Twitch, Todd Moonbounce. So check uh, both of us out for that. I believe that's uh, most everything on our end. Uh, of course, I didn't mention this yet, but as usual, check us out, DungeonJediMasters.com for links to all of our content, quick access to this podcast, uh, our YouTube channel for those VODs and other things, uh, our social media, Instagram, Twitter, our Twitch channels, of course, and then if you want to support us through that Patreon. Uh, speaking of YouTube as well, uh, some new videos have gone up. Uh, we did a video on the last Patreon about meeting in a cantina, getting your campaign started. I also did a recent video on GM Binder Basics. As a big requester, everyone always says, uh, I want to make cool content for Star Wars 5e, and then they get GM Binder opened up and, and uh, you know, kind of hit the brakes because it looks overwhelming. So I go over what you need to do to get that up and running. It's, it's really simple. So check that one out as well. Tegan, anything on your end for uh, YouTube? Definitely. So next week, you should see two videos coming out for me. One should probably be already out by the time this goes live. Uh, I'm going to give a quick walkthrough or quick just, uh, introduction into the Invasion Patreon session one. So just uh, walking through, noting some things I, I think the DM should pay attention to when running it. Just some cool tips and tricks on that side. And you can see if I follow my own tips and tricks uh, by watching me run through that live as well. So that should be out Monday. So that should already be out by the time you, uh, you guys get this podcast. Uh, and also, I haven't decided the date next week, but uh, I want to do one on just the adventuring day mechanic. Uh, I've been reading just uh, different Reddit threads, and I know there's a lot of confusion just with that regarding 5e as well. Uh, and it becomes so much more important in Star Wars 5e with how much more options and more features and more powerful characters are. So uh, I wanted to go through the adventuring day and really how to make it work for your table. So that one will be sometime next week. Awesome. That'll be a great one. Uh, it's still something that, uh, you know, I, I don't wrap my own head around. So awesome. Look forward to that. Okay. I think that's everything on our end. Uh, so there is a couple new pieces for Star Wars 5e that have come out. So we have uh, a archetype, kind of a twofer on that one, and then uh, some uh, casting properties focuses. Uh, things there. Um, it's pretty neat. So uh, first up is the archetypes uh, fire team specialist, and there is a two versions of this is for a fighter class, and there's the companion version, and then the one without a companion. So just kind of running through that. Uh, first, the one that is uh, without a companion, uh, starting at level three, you'll gain the improved combat superiority. Uh, Your tactical skill in combat improves, granting bonuses to your combat superiority. And there are uh, um, tables here for each of these to tell you uh, what that superiority dice is and the maneuvers you would know with that. Uh, You get improved maneuvers. Uh, You know four maneuvers of your choice instead of two, so you get a couple more. And you earn more at higher levels as shown in the uh, column in the table included with the archetype. 
Uh, and then also improved superiority dice. You have four instead of two. So you get upgrades here on both of these more at higher levels, again, shown in that table. So right off the bat, uh, definitely some significant upgrades. Uh, also at level three, you get the lead by example feature. Once per turn, when an ally that can see or hear you attacks a creature that you can see, you can expend a superiority die and enhance that ally's attack using one of the maneuvers that you know. So very cool there. You get to use the maneuver for someone else. Uh, once per turn, fantastic uh, there. Uh, level seven, rally the troops. When you use your second win feature, you can choose up to three allies uh, within 60 feet and each ally gains temporary hit points equal to your fighter level. So that's fantastic to be able to spread that out. We can always use some more HP in, in combat and whatnot. And uh, you gain additional allies at 9th, 13th, and 17th level. So uh, three, six total at 17th level, you could target six additional people. Uh, that'd be a party of seven, which is quite a bit. So I think you'd definitely be able to cover everyone there. Uh, so those are the initial features for that side. Uh, there's a few more at 10th, 15th, and 18th level. Uh, check those out. On the companion side, uh, going through that, you get some bonus proficiencies off the bat at level three, uh, gain proficiency in choice of persuasion or intimidation skill. Uh, you get uh, bonuses to combat superiority, uh, including uh, the additional maneuvers and superiority die like in the companion less version. So those carry over. And then the, the main aspect of this side is the humanoid companion. Uh, you've been assigned a squad mate who is under your command, gaining a humanoid companion. Uh, you create your companion as detailed in the companion section of the customization options for expanded content. And in addition, uh, your companion gains additional benefits, which is bonded to you. Your companion gains two additional traits, uh, one more additional trait when you reach 11th level. For each trait in excess of your proficiency bonus, your number of hit die that can be spent to restore hit points is reduced by one. So there's an opportunity for a trade-off there if you want to get some extra features, uh, which is very nice. And then also, while companion is bonded uh, to you and within 10 feet, they can use your superiority dice and maneuvers as if it knows them. So that's very nice as well, getting basically an extra character there to help out. Uh, touching on the uh, seventh level feature of this, rally the troops as well. While your companion is within 10 feet of you, uh, for that second win feature, again, your companion regains uh, hit points and gains temporary hit points equal to your fighter level. So that uh, healing feature goes towards that companion. So very cool stuff there. Um, there's a few more things as you get up to the higher levels, 10th and beyond on both sides. But uh, if you're looking for something a little extra to add to that fighter class, uh, good option here. So, uh, Tegan, turn it over to you for the other, the uh, equipment casting and casting focuses. Definitely. And this one is a dense one. I recommend everybody take a look, read through. We may even could do a podcast on this one, uh, but there's a, a good bit here. So the newest update provides a lot of flexibility in regards to enhanced items, as well as uh, how you do your skills, too. Uh, so with enhanced items, one of the biggest pieces they've went after first is casting properties. Uh, so it gives over more rules for how to use your focus uh, and using weapons as focuses, uh, but it also gives new casting property items that can be enhanced into your focus, uh, which I've known, I've heard from some of the casters before that they wish there was a little more variety in there, and this is certainly does that. Uh, from things uh, with increasing your distance, expanding your radius uh, for spells or powers you can cast using the focus. So if you wanted to uh, use uh, what would be a good one, uh, if you wanted to use flamethrower, which comes out in a cone, uh, you could get expanding and make that cone bigger each step uh, of rarity you go up. Uh, it goes all the way up to 30 feet bigger, so you could really go crazy with some cones. Uh, but this gives you some options on that side for your caster to find some items and just really customize out your PC to, uh, to be what you envision them to be. Uh, it also in the same time goes over some rules for critical successes and critical failures in regards to saving throws. Uh, so with that, uh, with traditional 5e rules, if you roll a nat 1 or a nat 20 on a save, it doesn't mean anything. You have to still beat that DC regardless of uh, how that 20 came up. With critical success and failures, it changes it to be similar to an attack role where there can be a critical failure or critical success. Uh, so with a critical success, uh, you may be able to get through with a nat 20 and not take any damage. Uh, critical failure, you uh, you may 
uh, they could double up that damage on you too. So uh, one of those just to uh, kind of spice it up. And if you really like seeing those 20s come through and uh, even the DC is 22, you want to make sure that player gets rewarded. This could be a good way to do that while still having some consequences for a nat one pop up too. Uh, the other big piece, and this was what I'll touch on a little bit more, as it changes, uh, or it's added, I should say, uh, tiers of proficiency. And this is one of those new ones. And this is what I know people will have questions on. We may go more in depth at a later time. Uh, but rather than just proficient and expertise, which is kind of the, the core ones we've had now, uh, it's added four extra tiers of proficiency. Uh, so there, there's actually a tier now before proficient, which is trained. Uh, so trained is going to allow you to add half of your proficiency uh, modifier to, uh, to to a certain skill, feature, or weapon class. So uh, you, if you wanted to, uh, and the nice thing with this too is when a, a character becomes proficient in a skill or to, a tool, they can decide to instead choose to become trained in two skills or two tools. So that, that's uh, if you wanted to spread it around a little bit and say you really wanted to have stealth and survival, but you just don't have enough skills to do that, you could split the proficiency into trained and get a, a small bonus to both of them. Uh, other things that will be in that same group of features is a led by the force class feature that Sentinels get, where they get to add half of their proficiency modifier. That's just kind of being looped into train now. Uh, after trained, we've got the standard proficient, then the standard expertise, and those are both the same. Nothing's changing with those ones. Uh, but after you got three mastery tiers. Uh, and one thing to note with the mastery tiers, they can only be picked up through uh, an enhanced item. So it's not something you can, uh, like, there's no class features, there's nothing you can kind of train towards. Uh, you will need an enhanced item for those, uh, unless your DM decides you can let you train towards them. Uh, but there's mastery, high mastery, and grand mastery. Uh, mastery, uh, so you get the benefits of expertise, you get to add twice your proficiency bonus, uh, but the nice thing is you always have advantage with your mastery skill. Uh, so if you wanted to be an expert thief, uh, always able to work those security tools, uh, getting that expertise and then mastery uh, just really can make it so you pretty much never fail on that side. Uh, high mastery, uh, you get to have twice your proficiency, get to add advantage to it. Uh, and when you can make a roll with an advantage of this tier, uh, you can re-roll one of the dice once. Uh, you must use that new roll then. Uh, so it gives you a little bit of a double advantage and an extra roll just in case you didn't like something. So uh, just really giving you some good options there. Uh, and then Grand Mastery does all of this too. Uh, but the, uh, the Grand Mastery also gives you uh, you get to roll each of the dice again, re-roll each of the dice once again. So rather than just re-rolling one, you get to re-roll both again uh, and hope you do a little bit better. Uh, so cool stuff on that side. They also added in a ton of new enhancements, some along those casting lines and some other uh, just to go along with it. Uh, but some really cool items with this system. Just really, they've listed a pretty meaty update. So definitely recommend you guys check it out. Awesome. Yeah, uh, definitely a great update there. Maybe something we'll expand on down the road uh, for sure. But uh, so that's the new two new pieces of content, Star Wars 5e side, uh, everything on the front end here. I think it's time we can now uh, bring in our interview with John and, and hear his thoughts and insights into his experience with the game. Uh, great chat. So let's get over to that. All right, everyone, we have Arcana Sar with us, aka John, to talk about his experience with tabletops and Star Wars 5e. Welcome, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. This is our first DJM spotlight, uh, if you will. So bringing on a member of the community to just talk about their experience in the game and whatnot. So uh, right off the top, John, uh, tell us you know, a brief history uh, being involved in, in tabletops. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, I started doing tabletop role-playing games uh, way back in Saga Edition Star Wars role-playing, uh, for any of those listeners that know that. Uh, it's essentially uh, Star Wars, but D&D 3.5. Um, so if, if Star Wars 5th Edition is obviously uh, Star Wars, but D&D 5th Edition, then uh, Saga Edition is 3.5. Um, I started there. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I just had a couple of friends were doing that um, and, and invited me along. And I really had no idea what that was going to do to my life, honestly. Uh, but it's been a great experience uh, and uh, just sort of evolving into through various games from there. You know, from there, I went to actual D&D 3.5 um, 
spent a couple of years doing that combined with Saga Edition. Uh, DM'd all throughout this time. Uh, as soon as I, you know, experienced the first game, I was like, okay, I've got to get on the other side of the screen because I, uh, I think I could do pretty well over there. Um, and then, you know, sort of flowing from there into D and D fifth edition, uh, and did that as soon as it came out. Was uh, I wasn't one of the playtesters, unfortunately, uh, but uh, I was uh, one of the first people to buy a, a player's handbook when it came out. Um, and then uh, found Star Wars 5th edition a couple of years after that. Uh, I think it was shortly after episode 9 came out, or maybe it was episode 8, I can't remember. Uh, but um, it was an extremely different system than it was now, than it is now. Um, but uh, I've loved to see the growth and evolution of Star Wars 5th edition as we've done that. So, so I've also DM'd a little bit for Star Wars 5th edition um, and uh, played a couple of games in that as well. Uh, and also experienced, uh, ex uh, experimented with uh, non-D20 systems, so some more narrative systems. Um, uh, Todd, uh, you and I were introduced through a, a mutual friend who I'll call Steve for the rest of the call. His name is not Steve, but, um, and Steve, if you're listening, you know who you are, but uh, he loves narrative systems, absolutely adores them. Uh, and uh, so he, he and I uh, got, got off on the right foot and uh, he, he DMs for us occasionally. Um, and he introduced me to Cortex Prime. So uh, that's that's where I know some some narrative systems through that too. Yeah, the Cortex is, I've looked it over a little bit, um, you know, and it uh, seems interesting as well. Um, just kind of going back a little bit as well in, in, in what you mentioned there. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I've ran, the modules have been um, old Saga Edition, and, and mm. even before that, the, the one before Saga Edition was, I think they just called it D20, Star Wars D20, okay. um, you know, as well. And I don't even know what that one was, because um, deciphering some of those stab blocks and things are just crazy uh, to <laughs> utilize that stuff. But uh, yeah, super cool. I mean, there's, that's one thing that, you know, we see a lot of people out there say, is there modules, is there content, whatever? And like, there is, there's so much stuff out there from the old games and yep. you know, you don't, you don't need those stat blocks and things to be converted. You just have to know the story and then, you know, do it on the fly. So. Yeah, that speaks so, so uh, in line with my DMing styles. Um, I, I've been doing this for a really long time. So I know uh, sort of the math behind the system. I've experimented and played around with it in my own homebrewing and other things like that. So as long as I understand the story and like what we're going for, what should happen, um, I don't really need an official stat block in front of me. Like um, I can go, okay, this person probably would have this many hit points or around this number um, and, and have it narratively fit within the story. 100% have the fun of that. It's just kind of making it your own and making it fit your player style and the story and just kind of come and see what craziness you can come up with and put in front of their faces. Yeah, absolutely. I love the saga though too. I really wish like they referenced in like uh, Kotor, like it's, it's this the Kotor system pretty much. It's running uh, Saga on there. It was my favorite. Uh, I played Kotor first, but then I went went back and played Saga eventually. Like that was like my favorite draw to the system. I wish people put that out there a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was one of those people that never got off uh, that that first planet, Terrace, I think it was called. Oh, yeah. um, uh, but then I came back to Kotor a little bit later. I was like, oh yeah. This is this. I know this. This is great. This is the exact same system I grew up on, pretty much. Uh, you know, all those years ago. I think it was fifteen years now. Oh yeah, probably is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I when I first realized when I had that moment for myself too of like tabletops and you know MMOs or or on you know digital video game RPGs, how they are like the same thing. I'm like, it, yeah, just that when that clicked. It's so funny. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like both of these things. So <laughs> super cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, okay. We've got a, you know, an idea of, of where you come from in, in regards to the RPG space and whatnot. Um, what, uh, and you said, uh, would you say throughout that time, uh, you spend more time on which side of the screen, DM or player? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So thankfully I've been able to build up a community local to my area of I think like four different DMs. So we sort of rotate through games and most of the DMs that are part of that four are also member are also players in the other people's games. Yeah. Um, so I think overall it's probably been about half and half. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been really great to not be a forever DM, but also to get to do it whenever I need to or want to. 
Yeah, yeah. Good mix there, I think. Um, and I think in your situation, especially when you're playing with other DMs, um, you know, there's there's some value to be said about that as well. Um, you know, it's not just players only kind of a thing. The, you ho hopefully DMs are going to have a little bit different approach when they play because they know, because they know how it goes on the other side of that screen. So that's super cool. Tegan and I being in the same uh, city here. Uh, and then we have a couple uh, other buddies uh, from Star Wars 5e that are, are nearby, close enough where we've met up. And, and we've kind of done that same thing, that DM rotation uh, as well, uh, when we were able to get together. And yeah, it's, you know, it's super cool experience to do that, so. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so the, the I, I think, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but um, tomorrow I'm going to be shooting uh, Star Wars 5th edition um, an entire sort of uh, mini series. It's going to be probably about three different episodes, uh, and we're going to shoot pretty much all day tomorrow, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but the uh, the guy that introduced me to Saga Edition, um, and, well, yeah, so to D and D three point five at the very least, um, is going to be playing in that tomorrow. So I've sort of returned the favor for him. Like, okay, thanks for passing this torch along to me. I'm going to bring you into this as well because I know you, not only are you a great player, great person to hang out with. I love hanging out with you, but also you're going to great uh, create great content, and I think a lot of people would enjoy watching you you play these games. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, looking forward to uh, ch chatting about that. Uh, so within uh, Star Wars 5e, what has been, uh, what's your favorite class uh, when you get to play that? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, so I'll, I'll start with like what my favorite class is from like D&D, because that's, that's most of where my experience comes from. Um, I'm a big like wizard player. Like uh, people would always ask, okay, if you, you know, John Arcanasar was dropped into a D and D world, what class would you be? I'd make uh, wizard, of course. Like I am not strong enough for a fighter or dexterous enough for a rogue, but I think I do have a little bit of brains somewhere in my head, um, so I could probably do okay as wizard. But when we talk about Star Wars, actually, I think the the script flips a little bit for me because um, with Star Wars, you have these characters like. Uh, Boba Fett and Jango Fett, and you've got, um, you know, other, like, really strong fighters and scouts and operatives and other things like that, and I think the system and the world itself lends itself for me to be drawn closer towards a more martial character, so I think my favorite class for Star Wars 5th Edition is Fighter, actually, um, which is really interesting, because I've never played a fighter in D&D 5th edition, D &D 5th edition um, because I honestly think they're kind of boring, but in in Star Wars Fifth Edition, I, I really love uh, what has been done to the class with fighting masteries, fighting styles, um, and uh, it, it's been it, honestly a lot of fun. Definitely, the, the fighting styles and masteries changes was my, one of my favorite that I got implemented. Uh, it just really makes fighter play like a whole different piece, and just even for any of the marshals, it just gives them something fun they can do that's not a plus two or plus one to something that just something that they can really change the way they fight and have some uh, more options rather than just roll to hit, roll to hit, roll to hit. Yeah, and with the the feet changes as well, like I think that sort of lends itself to fighter too because fighter gets uh, a lot of extra feats as we all know. Um, so with the, the enhancements of each of the feats and, and allowing to expand on some of the feats, um, it, it, I think, really allows you to create really interesting play styles and no two fighters are the same. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, and, and I think that applies across the board, too, is the beginning of every episode, you know, Tegan and I, we, we touch on the new content that comes out uh, for the system and, you know, just constant, you know, species uh Feats, not really feats, but um, you know backgrounds and, and archetypes and all that, and just the the options, the player options, player character options is just so expansive. And you know, to that point, you know, no character, no two characters really are the same. So even just how much it's, uh, you know, you mentioned this earlier too, how much the system itself has evolved. Um, I was DM DMing for one of my friends. Uh, they hadn't played the Star Wars 5e system, so we did a home game playing it. Uh, but I actually got my DM bag, which I hadn't got out in like two years due to COVID. Uh, and I found like my old Star Wars 5e book uh, that you actually Todd made for me a, a couple years back. Nice. I, I leaped through it. It's just crazy how much it's just changed in the last, I don't know, three years, however long that was ago. Uh, it's completely different. Yep. Yeah, because we got in, we got in, 
you know, in that early, early iteration when, when we met and we're playing a, a home game in, you know, at the game shop and, and then we kind of got in with the dev team a little bit and, and yeah, it just, uh, evolved massively from there. So, but into a pretty great, pretty great system of what it is now. So, uh, John, so I know you're, you're a little bit newer to star Wars 5e. Uh, I know you mentioned, um, but obviously have lots of experience overall. Uh, is there anything, what are some thoughts, suggestions that you have for maybe new DMs out there coming to Star Wars 5e? What are some things that you've learned for yourself that has helped you with that transition over to the Star Wars 5e system? So I'll start with the the question about uh, new DMs and like what, what suggestions do I have for that? Um, I know this may uh, be a little uh, interesting of a statement, but start with something that's pre-written or at least get inspiration from something that's pre-written. If that looks like um, watching the Star Wars movies, uh, taking a look at uh, the Clone Wars, uh, whatever the case may be, draw inspiration from something and and spin off of that. Um, I learned early on that myself as a dungeon master for, uh, for D&D 5th edition, um, creating my own entire world drawing out the map you know having uh, my own religions and my own land masses and all of that and different people groups and all you know everything that is encompassed in creating my entire own world was way too much for me um i would just uh get lost in the details and feel like uh the world that i made wasn't actually real and of course the if i feel that the players are going to feel me feeling that uh, and it just was not a good time. So when I discovered um, taking a world that exists and modifying it to suit my own needs, um, that made me a far more confident DM. It made me a far, um, it, it just was a lot more fun to play in my worlds from from the feedback I've gotten from my players anyway. Um, and how that applies to, to Star Wars 5th edition, obviously the galaxy is created for you, so you don't really need to do all of that. Um, but what I would say is uh, find something that you enjoy from other content. Again, like I said, either the movies or films or um, or shows, uh, or it might be an old module from a different system, like Saga Edition. We've already mentioned that. Um, there's also Force and Destiny. Um, there's uh, a Fantasy Flight game, which I think is under a different name. It might be the same one. I'm confusing. I'm never actually looked at that one yet. Uh, but I have read through some of their modules, and those have some great inspiration um, that you can take and and you can adapt them one to one to Star Wars Fifth Edition. That's not super difficult, um, but you could also just take it and try and find something equivalent in the Star Wars Fifth Edition system, like enemies, stat blocks, um, how you can relate the characters to the the story or the module, whatever you've got written, um, and uh, and go from there. That would be my suggestion for new players. Yeah, I, I love that 100%. I think that's that's definitely the way to go, uh, especially the, you know, when you first started mentioning that and saying like something pre-written and then bringing in the thought of non-content, spe- non-specific content to the game, like like you said, the movies and things. Absolutely. You know, that, Tegan, I know you do that a lot. You're using, you know, uh, other movies and things, things that are even near sci-fi or related for Star Wars 5e. I mean, you can grab anything out there in and just utilize those concepts. Um, I, I think I've, we mentioned this before. I'm pretty certain that in our hunted campaign, you utilize some plot lines from the movie Taken. And uh, you know, I, I snuffed that out during, but it was still it was great. It was it was a fun experience as a player, and that's absolutely okay to do. And um, as well as uh, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of new players, are like I want I want a pre-written module ready to go out of the box, and and. I, I recognize that. I understand that. I've been there myself. But what you said, John, about just pulling in the stat blocks, I think that's another great way to learn, too, is that trial and error. You know, um, bring stuff in, see what it does. Make sure you uh, you explain that to your players and hopefully they're understanding that, hey, I'm new, you know, and, and they'll be uh, forgiving with that. So, yeah. Tegan, any thoughts from your end on that? Oh yeah, definitely. 100% steal from things that you find interesting. Like I've been toying, like I don't have enough time right now to do another campaign, but I've started rewatching The Badlands. Uh, I think that'd be a really fun setting for a D&D campaign. And it's one of those ones that can flow really well and so well that people probably wouldn't even know it's from The Badlands. Uh, but yeah, just find something that you find interesting that you can kind of tweak and 
flow into a game, use some of the storylines, use some of the plot lines, and just make it your own. Like it's, it saves you some time, and uh, gonna have that, you don't have to do that blank screen of paper where you're just staring there, like, what do I come up with for this? And you can just have a little bit of inspiration and run with it. Yeah, I, something I I came up with a while ago or, or thought of was I love like concept albums. Uh, you know, bands put out a concept album. And I'm like, well, what if you take that and you take the album and it doesn't even have to be a concept album, but you could take any album of an artist you like and then turn those tracks, that songs into a campaign structure. I was going through a few of them and just the track names alone on some of these albums, like they just were amazing inspiration. So you could say, all right, track one is titled this, like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little arc story arc surrounding that. So absolutely. Um, Tegan, I want to mention one other thing or ask you about one other thing. Uh, so John, you talked about how the Star Wars galaxy was, uh, you know, already defined. And I, I echo what you said there too, of creating your own world and everything that's super, uh, could be super overwhelming for some people And Star Wars obviously exists. But I think there's, there's a couple sides to that as well as uh, you get players that uh, wonder how much uh, it's going to be in canon or not. Yeah. You know, all that things. Tegan, I know you do a lot of things where you try and pick an era or area in the timeline that's that's open and in uh, allowing for you to just sandbox definitely so i, I like uh, cause i always use legends canon but i always want to keep everything up to when i start running in that canon but i like to what is it 1500 a uh, 1500 bby before the battle of yavin there's like nothing written in legends like there's no no comic books no stories so it gives you kind of a blank canvas where you can say everything that came before that's still true but this is a whole different galaxy uh, that just didn't get written about. Uh, and I've, I've done it both ways. I did hunt it in the middle of uh, the co-tours and that was fun at first too, because everybody knows what, or uh, there's the easy references for kind of what's going on in Wikipedia, but then, then you kind of get, feel like you have to kind of keep everything in, so, in the lines a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed kind of going to an area where I can kind of outside the lines, but still draw on what came before. If I want to throw in some Nagasato or somebody that's from Kent Legends and to have him be there, have all this history attack, but still have my own world for what's going on now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, John, any any thoughts on that specifically? Uh, so, uh, with do you run into players dealing with that stuff, saying, "Oh, you know, where's Obi Wan? Where's you know, etc." Yeah. So coming from Saga Edition, uh, that, we actually experienced that a lot. Um, so Saga Edition, one of the things it had going for it was in the back. I think it was of the player's handbook, even um, or the equivalent to whatever it was called. Uh, there were stat blocks for all of, uh, for a huge amount of well-known characters like Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon Jinn, Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, uh, both before and after his Jedi training. Um, and it was really interesting to sort of see how they were actually built. Um, uh, it's different from, from uh, like Star Wars 5e, where you can actually see the actual feats that they t chose. They're not just, you know, um, uh, abstracted stat blocks, you can actually see exactly the path that they took, or 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 you were supposed to be able to do that. Um, so that sort of lent itself to ex encountering those characters in our games. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't part of this game, but there's there's a story that always gets told when we talk about Saga Edition of a uh, a speeder chase where Anakin and Obi Wan are chasing the players, and it's like a harrowing scene where, of course, these two epic level characters are closing in closing in um and uh they had taken a lot of anakin's health away and they got a critical hit on anakin and to maintain the continuity of the world uh the dm who is a little inexperienced at this particular point in time to be honest to give him a little bit uh, his a little defense a little bit he had it uh accidentally deflect off of his lightsaber or something like that so rather than kill anakin skywalker uh he he preserved the, the world and um the the person that shot that shot is still salty to this day like oh i totally killed anakin ah yeah yeah i think i think it's a good point there of of you know the inexperience which is fine you know we're all learning right. and i think another thing to come out of that is something like that is okay like like as long as long as everyone's on board with it you know at your table that is absolutely okay if you if you bring in those characters and you know there's a, a significant character in the star wars universe that dies or whatever like if that's part of your story that's fine that's everyone's table is their own story uh, i think that's the beauty of of this game is that we all get to have a story you're not going to have two of the same stories um you know ever so super cool yeah 
what else? So you, you touched on a few things for like new players. What about just, is there anything else that you've kind of figured out along the way as you, you prepare for, and we'll get to that here in a quick moment, but as you prepare for your upcoming uh, series, what have you learned about uh, Star Wars 5e that maybe has been a little bit different from your past experience? Yeah, so about Star Wars 5e, first of all, um, the players are far stronger than they are in, in different uh, tabletop role-playing uh, games and systems. Uh, so I, that's actually something that I prefer as a DM anyway. Um, when I play D&D 5th Edition, uh, one of the things I love doing as a DM is if a player chooses um, a quote-unquote suboptimal choice, right, um, depending on how you look at it, I will freely give them things, okay, this is a choice that you have made um, that uh, is on theme and I love your character idea and all of that, uh, but I'm going to do this small tweak to make it so you're not bored when uh, everybody else is doing these other cool things, you still have this other, th this other cool thing. And I don't do that all the time, but I do enjoy having stronger characters. Um, so porting that over to Star Wars, um, I have stronger characters out of the gate and I don't need to do anything. So that's that's been great. Um, but it's also it's also an interesting situation and it's an interesting uh, opportunity because you get to throw extra things at your players and trust that they have the resources and the abilities to either handle it or find a way to get away. Um, and that's that's been really fun to play with. 100%. I, I definitely agree with you there. I love having the stronger players. That way they can do some crazy stuff and you can throw something that's not super balanced at them and say, like, air it out. And then they can come up with some craziness and figure out how they're going to get themselves out of it or wind up winning it somehow. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I'll, I'll add on to this is um, I do this in, in every system uh, that I play in, but I actually love adding things to it. Um, we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but what's been on my mind recently is I've developed an entire uh, pod racing system to go and exist on top of uh, the Star Wars 5th edition rules. Um, it would have been totally within my rights to say, okay, we're going to have a pod race now, uh, roll a piloting check, and whoever got the highest wins. Uh, but uh, from my experience with other systems and other things like that, um, and I also grew up playing the uh, episode one pod racing game back in yeah. the 64 days. Classic. Yeah, classic. Uh, so I, I thought, okay, that was a lot of fun for me. I'm going to give the opportunity to my players to build their own pod and race it in a prolonged, think of it kind of like an encounter. Um, so I really love doing that with other systems. So I do that with D&D &D, where I bring in something from another system and modify it slightly to, to make it work for me. Um, I've done that with uh, Saga Edition way back in the day, did a lot of homebrew there as well. Uh, but for, for DMs who are a little bit more comfortable uh, doing that and adding more things into into your games, it can really spice things up a little bit as long as you're actually clear with the intentions of the new right. system and being uh, being transparent about, uh, okay, this is a good thing to have and this is not. For example, having low durability on your pod is not a good thing. You could be taken out quite easily and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. We, we've talked on that a lot about you know, borrowing from other systems. I think it's a great thing to do. Uh, just reading other systems is fantastic because uh, you learn how other things work and, and it can help you in your existing game. Have you, um, touching on the pod racing, have you seen the pod racing from, it might be from the D20 Star Wars system. I, I don't think it's Saga. I think it's the one before because there's the uh, Secrets of Tatooine like setting guide. I don't know if you're familiar with that, that one. No. Okay, yeah. So I... Uh, someone did work to try and convert that to 5e. It's somewhere on the Star Wars 5e Discord. And when I ran uh, Tempest Feud, uh, which is a... That might still technically be a D20 module. Um, I don't think it's it was Saga. But... Uh, and I, this was actually outside of that story, but they went back to Tatooine and they did a pod race. And so um, I utilize... They do have rules in there for pod racing as well. Uh, which are pretty decent they're pretty crunchy um but it worked out pretty cool made this whole little like uh kind of mini character sheet for the pod racers for roll 20 and everything it was yeah it was it was a lot of fun so but yeah i think that's great you know to have uh those types of things to bring into the game absolutely yeah it's great to, great to hear about that um i knew i wasn't the the only person to think about doing this um but i did look around a little bit and i found some inspiration, like I mentioned before, find inspiration for what you're doing. Uh, but it was the, for the Force and Destiny system, which yeah, okay. uh, for those that for those that know that, it's extremely different from 
AD20 based system. There's a, yeah. there's a bunch of custom dice that you roll. Yeah. Um, very cool idea, but uh, impossible for me just to lift and shift to, to this. So I use that as an inspiration to build my own pod uh, or allow players to build their own pod and, and then use that pod in a race. Awesome. Very cool. So tell us about uh, your upcoming uh, campaign, your series there. Yeah. So uh, first of all, uh, I'd like you to go check it out. If you, uh, whenever it airs, I'll throw it in the, in the discord. Um, but Is that going to be on uh, a, a YouTube or right. Yeah, it's going to be YouTube. Yeah. Not streamed obviously since you're pre-recording. Right. That's right. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I, I want you guys to check it out. So I'm not going to give you everything, uh, but uh, we're going to actually start with the pod racing. Um, nice. The uh, the players are the are racers in a Boonta Eve race on Tatooine. Uh, you can't have a pod racing scene unless it's on Tatooine, in my opinion. But um, they're going to start there. And uh, as the checkered flag drops and the race begins, uh, they're going to quickly realize that there's more to the race than meets the eye. Um, but whoever wins uh is uh you know it's up in the air and i don't have that planned out so i'm i'm literally gonna let them roll for it and have a lot of fun and that's gonna change my story as we go nice awesome super cool what's uh what's your plan on uh, did you i think you mentioned earlier three four episodes once you chop it all up yeah i'm not i'm not entirely sure it depends on how things go first of all um it also depends on um sort of the shooting and the content that we have i'm gonna try and make it so that episodes aren't more than an hour and a half um, nice and uh i'm gonna leave it as youtube content but also probably try and convert it into podcasting as well so this is my first foray into um producing anything uh so i get to figure it out as i go and figure out what's uh feasible and within my reach and and all of that so it's gonna be fun Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. That'd be awesome, man. What are you uh, thinking about having the first episode launch or do you have a time frame so far? I do have a loose time frame, but that's honest, uh, probably close to end of February because I don't know how long it's going to take me to do all the editing. So uh, look for it in the Discord sometime towards the end of February, maybe a little earlier if I'm lucky. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we certainly understand, you know, that process, uh, you know, with all of our DJM content. So, uh, you know, definitely best of luck with that, of course. Can you tell us any more about, uh, do you know more about uh, like your, your uh, characters, your players, how many do you have? And maybe a quick makeup uh, preview of who they are? Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, I have been a part of a, a live stream for D&D fifth edition for a while now, or uh, loosely associated with it at least um called another bad side quest um and uh three of my cast members are pulled in from there the the dungeon master from over there his name's darren um he'll be playing a a doug by the name of deal tuba um and uh another one of those cast members her name is Haley. um she'll be playing a squib by the name of rami uh playing an engineer uh with a droid companion so that was really fun uh, to see and explore the rules for that um, and then uh, the other ABSQ cast member is Zach, and he is going to be playing a uh, Arcanian Consular, I believe is what he's going with. So um, an interesting mix of those three coming into a pod racing scene, uh, Berserker, Engineer, and Consular. So that's kind of interesting. Nice. Um, and uh, as I mentioned before, uh, the, the friend of mine that's pulled me into uh, role-playing early on in my, uh, in my high school years uh, is going to be playing, oh yeah, uh, a Kodraju engineer. Um, Kodraji, Kodraju, Kodraju, I think. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so Sabersmith engineer for that, that's going to be a lot of fun to see that that play out as well. So um, they're not a actual party. So they all are competitors um, in this race. They, they do not know each other ahead of time, but um, hopefully we're going to see them be pulled together into something a little bit bigger than the race itself. Yeah. Right. That, that good old, yeah, we, we just did, uh, you know, you meet in a cantina module for Patreons and, uh, you know, talking on how you bring your players together, what are those circumstances? And, you know, I think that's a great, another way to potentially do that, you know, throw them together where hopefully the situation is they get into a situation and then they, they kind of have to uh, come together or whatever. And, and that can create a, an interesting dynamic. Uh, did you mention what, uh, era you're setting this in? 
I didn't, but it actually does tie into what we were saying earlier um, about um, spinoffs of canon and, and uh, how how close we are to canon. So the core idea of this uh, series is going to be exploring um, the consequences and how far reaching the consequences are of a singular decision and what changes when something innocuously small uh, actually changes completely in 180 directions. So um, in this universe, we are going to be somewhere between episode one and two, probably just before episode two in that time frame. Um, however, uh, the invasion of Naboo did not go so well, um, and uh, certain characters never made it off Naboo. I'll leave it at that for now. Awesome. Okay. Nice, bud. Uh, I know uh, you're thinking late February. Uh, do you have a YouTube channel set up that people can subscribe uh, to get ahead of it? For now, I'm going to be using the Another Bad SideQuest channel, so it's going to air there. Um, and so you guys can go check them out, and uh, I'll send you the link, but let me find Yeah, yeah, we'll you. put that in uh, the comments, show comments and all that. Cool. Yeah, we'll uh, point that out, uh, you know, make sure uh, we're able to see that when that comes out, and really looking forward to it. So we'll uh, just keep our eyes peeled, let us know when it's uh, getting there, and, and make sure we announce that, so... But uh, yeah, John, this was fantastic. Lots of great insight, I think. Uh, great just to hear more about uh, yourself and, and uh, your involvement with the game. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I love talking with uh, fellow nerds who love to do all of this stuff. Um, and uh, I look forward to, to talking with you guys more as we go throughout this. Absolutely. Best of luck with the uh, campaign here. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks, John. All right, so uh, so awesome to talk with John. Uh, lots of great uh, insight uh, there from him. Uh, make sure you check out his uh, upcoming series when that goes live. We'll have uh, links to where to find that and all that, of course. Uh, looking ahead to our next episode, middle of the month here, uh, we're going to give an update on the Sentinel class. I think since the last time we covered it, it seemed uh, some significant updates. So we're going to go back through that and touch on what those updates are and uh, it's definitely a really cool class. I know Tegan, one of your favorites in the system. So I uh, definitely uh, do for an update on that. 100%, especially the new invoca invocation system. Uh, there's a, a ton of ideals, I think they're called, that you can pick and just really, uh, really kind of maximize out your Sentinel and just really make sure they're exactly what you envision. So we'll have some fun going through that. Awesome, yes. So that'll be out the next uh, episode there in the middle of the month. And uh, that wraps up everything for us today. Uh, of course, check out tonight, 6.30 Eastern time. Uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out on the 1st of February, uh, Tegan's first episode of Invasion on twitch.tv slash Tegan DJM. Uh, and then next Wednesday will be my Hut Space Adventures session one on the 9th. Uh, check that out on my Twitch channel, Todd Moonbounce. And uh, of course, as usual, you know, thank you so very much for all of our listeners, followers, and supporters. Appreciate it so very much. We'll see you on the next one. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.